This podcast is brought to you by Upgrade Fitness, Guernsey's new state-of-the-art gym, purpose-built for gym goers by gym lovers. Head to upgrade.fitness to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly insight into island sport brought to you by Upgrade Fitness. My name is Tony Kern with me uh, as ever. It's the Guernsey Press Sports Editor, Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. Hey, Gareth. Um, busy week. Lots going on. An awful um, lot, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah it is uh, a full schedule um, despite the weather, uh, which is great to see. And um, yeah, some off the field news as well. We've been catching up with Mark Latter, the outgoing um, CEO of Guernsey Cricket. Um, he announced he was stepping down a couple of weeks ago. We've caught up with him for a, um, a decent chat really it's fair to say about um his time in the role um some sort of 14 plus years uh well 14 years of ceo 22 odd years um involved in guernsey cricket so it's a, a really nice um chat we had with him about um his favorite memories from that time and also what he makes of um yeah the way things are, are going for the sport locally um so that's to come but let's start with what's been happening and uh in fact let's start with what's on the back page today because um yeah big football news um yeah the gfa have appointed two managers to the men's role <laughs> Shows how big a job it is, really, doesn't it? <laughs> anyone they have to share it between two ex-pros. But no, I think it's really it's great news that we've got two sort of fresh faces taking over. Obviously, um, Ryan Zico Black is well known in Guernsey football circles for many, many years, having made a, a very good um, success of his career, having sort of gone away and become a professional off Ireland. And yeah, he's being joined by Dave Merris, who's uh, becoming a familiar face for GFC fans over the last couple of years. And he's sort of really endeared himself to the local footballing community. He's a, he's a cracking lad and also obviously knows his stuff as well. So it's it's just, it's nice to sort of go into um, such a, a big thing like the Marathi or the Arling Games um, and have um, a fresh outlook on these things. Yeah, so I was going to say Dave Maris has caught the Guernsey football bug. But I mean, when he came in to chat to us on the football podcast, I mean, the fact he's still playing at 42, 43, maybe now, um, you know, he just clearly loves football. So, uh, yeah, it, it probably didn't take much to, to kind of draw him into um, to what Guernsey football's got to offer. But yeah, I agree. It's um, yeah, really nice to see um, two uh, kind of yeah fresh names fresh faces um and uh yeah we'll uh, look forward to seeing what they bring to the role roles um we'll have more on that more reaction and um, more from them on monday's football podcast so let's um part that for now and just have a quick look back at what uh, we got up to at the weekend and we were reflected on the under 21 Marathi on on monday's um, football pod um, but just across the way there was some hockey going on and it was uh, yeah, a yeah bit of a thriller yeah it was an absolute classic really it was the first time guernsey've ever played in the in the women's over 35s championship the um, england hockey knockout so it's sort of on the national stage and um, the draw against teddington was quite a quite an ominous one because teddington are sort of one of the, the one of the most prestigious clubs in england uh, sort of like historically they're almost like the first hockey club in england and so they were always bound to be a very strong side and um, the reputation as they were arriving at Foots Lane was that they'd have some sort of National League quality players uh, amongst their number and they certainly had a couple of outstanding players in their ranks but uh, yeah Guernsey um, sort of rose to the occasion played really well and came out with a 4-3 victory it was rather nervous towards the end uh, they, they'd opened up a 4-1 lead sort of early in the second half and you 
thinking, oh, they're absolutely cruising this. And then um, within the space of three minutes, they'd been hauled back into 4-3. And uh, Teddington were pretty uh, dangerous on the attack and with their, with their short corners. Um, but yeah, Guernsey managed to hold out with... Uh, uh, Emma Atkinson making a brilliant save right at the death as well, just to, to prevent the need of those dreaded penalties. And uh, it's great for Guernsey to get a win. So when do they go into the the next round? Yeah, they now um, the way the Masters competition works is they were always going to have another game, um, win or lose this one. But it now separates into tier one and tier two. So they're going into the, the like the higher echelons of of the over thirty five championship. So they'll um, they'll have another match to look forward to um, in the in the coming weeks or months. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, good luck to them in the next round. Um, we'll of course, uh, keep track of that in the paper. And in fact, you can read the full report from um, that game uh, in Friday's edition alongside some other hockey coverage. So. Um, do pick up a paper for that. Um, a quick word about the netball because um, yeah, we were tracking Guernsey's progress in the Isle of Man uh, last week. Um, the first ever um, Island Invitational netball games, um, which was um, yeah great to see uh, that on the schedule. And, and Guernsey, well, I say two Guernsey sides making the wave because the women were involved all week, and um, Guernsey's men as well um, playing two exhibition matches against the hosts. Um, yeah, for Guernsey's women, it was uh, a tough week in terms of competition because um, certainly Jersey and the hosts um, looked very strong. Um, during the week and it was at the Isle of Man who uh, ended up winning the whole competition um, but yeah lots of um, fresh opposition for them to face they weren't able to secure a win but they did come very close uh, there was a cracking contest wasn't there with uh, Shetland we had it on the big screen um, in the newsroom and uh, we're, we're cheering them on in that um, yeah shame they couldn't quite land that victory but it sounds like um, by all accounts uh, they had a fantastic time there and um, it's an event that that well, well I'm sure we'll see again um, logistics permitting so um, yeah really good stuff and actually uh, um, just wanted to give Give uh, a sort of shout out to the hosts, the Isle of Man, and also Guernsey Netball, because the coverage from um, yeah both over there and also on the um, the Guernsey Netball social channels was was top notch. So um, yeah, it looked like a, a really well organised, well staged event. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, I mean, in in sort of like terms of this Guernsey squad and their development, because I mean, obviously Sally Carnes uh, has only sort of recently taken up the role as head coach. They need this competition. It really wasn't about the results on this occasion. I mean, obviously, it'd be lovely to come back with a few wins to your name, but this is very much um, competition and games that this Ireland squad need to start progressing. And um, I'm sure they'll reap the benefits of it uh, over the mid to long term, you know, from this from this week. Yeah, great to see netball coming to the fore um, as far as uh, an island side is concerned. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see netball in the, the full island games at some point down the line. Um, but for now, that seems like a fantastic competition for, for Guernsey's um, senior players and young players um, to aspire to be involved in. We'll see. Um, when and where a future edition might take place. I mean, I'm sure it's something that, that we would be in the market to host here. I'm sure Jersey will as well. So, um, yeah, we'll be watching uh, how that event develops with interest. Um, speaking of uh, international sporting events in the island, obviously cricket um, is a sport that has um, that's played host to uh, to visiting teams for competitions over the last sort of 10, 15 years since, um, since Guernsey joined the ICC. And um, a man who's been there for the whole of that journey um, in the kind of the hot seat, really, the, the COC is uh, is Mark Latter, um, Gareth, who announced he was stepping down a couple of weeks ago. Um, and uh, yeah, we were able to catch up with him for a, a bit more of a, um, a considered chat about what's been involved. And um, yeah, definitely someone who's given an awful lot to uh, to Guernsey Cricket. Yeah, it just won't be the same without sort of Mark Latter being sort of in the hot seat, as you say, at Guernsey Cricket, sort of phoning up the cricket office and not having him answer will be, be very strange. I mean, 
I mean, I've been working at the press full time for 22 years. And in all that time, Mark Latter has been involved in cricket administration, you know, um, back in the voluntary days of the Guernsey Cricket Association, then moving on to when we went uh, international, so to speak, and joined the ICC. And he became our first ever CEO and has is, is held that role with distinction for 14, 15 years now. And uh, yeah, anything to do with Guernsey cricket, Mark knows about it, you know, and it's it's going to feel quite strange. And uh, they they need several sort of hands to take over from his on, on the tiller. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's great that people have stepped forward since he stood down. But he will be missed as well. Yeah, well, let's hear what he had to say um, when he came into our um, pod studio here at the Guernsey Press. So came CEO in two thousand and eight nine, and in two thousand and twenty three, stepping down which probably the day before I made the decision, I hadn't actually made my mind up about doing it. But uh, rather like how I took the job on in the first place, it sort of just felt right. And so did it. (laughs) Nice symmetry there then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, take us back to the start. Just give us a potted history then. What what, what were you doing to begin with? And did you ever envisage it turning Uh, into what it did? No. In, in simple terms, um, started, I was working at bank um, here and that was what I was doing. It was taking up most of my time. I went to a taverners do when we had the old county days down at KG5 back in 2002, something like that, 2001. And um, that was as a bank function, corporate function. And unfortunately, sat beside Gary Tapp, which <laughs> <laughs> I suspect... <laughs> Many people have said, but mine for a different reason, possibly. Um, I may have had two or three halves. And by the end of the evening, I'd um, sold my soul to Gary and um, told him I'd like to put something back into uh, Guernsey cricket. And the next morning, he remembered it, phoned me up and said, ah, you said you'd like to do. And tell you how long ago it was, I actually got phoned on the house phone and answered it, which I think is probably the last time I've ever used it. Um, so, yeah. Don't answer again. <laughs> no. So, yeah, so... Um, then went into what was the GCA, um, did the fixture secretary, bit of secretary work, Paul McCormick, who was involved then again, same time, and who came sort of ran in a, in a full circle when he's been involved with the women's team with the Gower stuff. So we've kind of, lots have come from that um, uh, evening, or that afternoon and evening. Um, so yeah, so started then um, doing that around the spare time as a volunteer, moved through that to GCA president, um, Finished that, obviously, when GCA then became GCB, so I retired undefeated as GCA president. Um, and now, uh, 14 years or whatever it was, as um, CEO, when the ICC said, you've got to have a CEO. And it, at that time, it seemed the right time to leave the bank. Again, wasn't planned. Um, the old man had had a heart attack, um, died one year into his retirement. And it kind of makes you think, actually, there's more to life than making rich people richer or whatever else. So um felt like a good time to take the job when Dave Pising then, uh, another person not to sit beside, <laughs> um, at an event, um, said, why don't you um, become CEO? So I did. Yeah. And, I mean, there's been a lot of change um, <laughs> with society, with, with cricket, with everything in that time, clearly. Um, but in, in terms of island cricket, there was that swing from you know, from being sort of purely uh, a sort of domestic focus with the Interinsular and, and, you know, a few other bits around it to this ICC journey, which which we launched upon or set out upon. How much were you involved in actually instigating that? Or was it something that was kind of circling around, the, you know, before you took over? 
Uh, that was sort of started um, a couple of years before. Dave Pising had done all the groundwork and the hard yards there in making that all happen and, and been in the conversations involved in the affiliate associate when they had that two-class uh, member. So it was pretty much all rubber-stamped and agreed at the time I came in. The only things that were probably unknown is the financial side of it, what it really meant to step up into this new world as associate with the requirement to have a full-time officer um, office and, and, and on a business footing. And we probably didn't really understand what that meant for us and Guernsey Cricket and what we would be able to do for a year or two. I mean, when I started, I wrote my own letter of um, take on, I wrote my own job description. I was offered a salary, which I had to reduce immediately because we couldn't afford it when I'd looked at the accounts. Um, so it took us a few years to unwind from that. Well, probably more than a few years in terms of the financial side of it, because we'd done a hell of a lot leading up to that on the back of what we expected to get from ICC. And those expectations and our spend were um, slightly out of kilter. So we had to do a lot of cutting um, of cloth at that point to get to where we are now, which we did. Um, but at the same time, um, went on this new journey of international cricket. And obviously in the first year, in 2009, we hosted our first World Cricket League. So it was a bit of a baptism of fire. But I think, you know, in many ways, you're kind of learning on the job that the speed it went at meant you, you didn't have time to worry about whether you were doing it right or wrong. You just did it. Very memorable at those days, isn't it? And did it almost help Guernsey in ICC terms, I suppose, that at that time we did have like a successful first team who actually made an impression very quickly on that stage? Yeah, I think, you know, as we've come to find, there's so many moving parts and we had the main part, which was, you know, the men's team at that time, which was doing okay, um, or doing very well. And uh, it was in the right place to step up onto that international stage. So it was more about the infrastructure and the facilities and everything around that and hosting a tournament, having people come in from Japan, Nigeria, or Bahrain. Uh, certainly opened your eyes to what international cricket was going to become. That tour, I remember that tournament quite well because it was such a big thing for us. Um, I was Steve Buckner over for that one as well. But that's, it's almost memorable because you sort of start almost seeing celebrities on these things when it comes to cricket terms. Um, did that sort of give you? Was that almost like the first indication of how big suddenly Guernsey had become on in cricket terms? In you know, like Tony said, it went from very much just a domestic game to very suddenly in that um, taking almost three or four great leaps forward, not just a couple of small paces. No, hundred percent. I think I didn't really have any ideas about what the job was going to be because I hadn't actually even thought about taking it on at the time. It was literally a twenty-four hour decision, almost the same as it's been coming out of it. But I mean, standing on the square at Port Swaff at the time with the Japanese and Nigerian teams holding the covers as the rain was coming in, <laughs> one end of the covers quite low to the ground, one end of the covers quite high to the ground. Um, Steve Buckner, um, you know, telling everybody what to do. And you just sat there and thought, how the hell did I end up in this? <laughs> this is mad, mad. Could I have ever envisaged that one year ago, 10 years ago? Obviously not. Um, and then, you know, quite quickly, we went to Singapore after that. And you're sat in the Padang there on the Singapore Cricket Club. The Grand Prix circuit goes around the middle of that area. If people notice it. Um, and you're playing cricket and you're wandering off. We've got the picture above the office at KG5 with your brother and leading the team, etc. And again, we all looked at each other after that first game and just looked around and thought, blimey, this is a bit different to Paul Swaff, isn't it? <laughs> and, and yeah, 14 years on from that, have you got any doubts in your mind that that, that was... That that was the right thing to do for against cricket. Then I mean, it, it, would you do everything the same? In, yeah, hundred percent. I think you know we were 
part of the um the, they had the CI cricket um board and they had the ECB funding which was in tens of thousands, ICC funding was in the hundreds of thousands. So it makes a huge difference to what you're capable of doing. Um, albeit to begin with, we'd done too much of the doing and not enough of the bringing the money in. So we had to reverse that um, cycle. But um, it, you know, it's given us that opportunity to do so much in terms of facilities, um, in terms of the employment of people, um, and, and where we've gone and played cricket. Because there is a certain element if they give you the money and then you spend it to go to where you want to go. And that relationship's changed over years as well with the ICC office, which was very much a developmental one and now is really more just an admin office. Um, so everything's really in your hands. Here's your money. Get on with it. Go and develop your game. And I think what we've always done, and I think you know, I've spoken to guys in Jersey over this, and they, they, they are now chatting to us about this side. One thing we've probably done differently is that we've held the domestic and international game together and operated them in tandem, whereas by their own admission, they've probably focused, and you can see the results of that, and it's quite remarkable, um, where they've gone with that, the men's team especially. So we kind of try to manage everything at the same time and not lose this, the focus on our domestic game, because ultimately that's where our players come from and that's where our players are returned to. Um, and that's where we get our administrators and our officials and everybody else from. So it's key in everything that we do. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, your role, I mean, like you say, when we joined the ICC, you had to create a full-time role and what have you. Now, I know this could last a very long time, this answer, but uh, can you almost give what your actual duties have entailed over that time? Because, I mean, you've almost been on the admin side of things, Mr Guernsey Cricket, for 14, 15 years, really. Yeah, I think uh, there wasn't a, a job description. I wrote it myself, as I said. And I think the archetypal CEO, and when we used to go to conferences and meet those doing the same role as me, um, when I heard what they were up to and what I was up to, we were in different worlds. Mm. And the primary driver behind that was we were bringing a developed cricket program into the ICC, whereas a lot of the countries we're um, competing with and the new countries coming on still don't have that development. Cricket is still um, you know, a foreign word. There isn't a word for cricket in some of their languages. There isn't a word for stumps or whatever it might be. <laughs> um, uh, mancad, well, there isn't a word. It's probably mancad, isn't it? Egypt. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so... We we had we were at a different level, so we had a hell of a lot of moving parts to look after already. Um, and one of the things has always been um, trying to keep the domestic and international cricket running together. If you had two parties doing that, there's a danger they go off in different directions and they don't come back and chat to each other and their bit's more important than their bit. So I tended to keep the reins of both of them and try and run them in parallel. Then I only had an argument with myself, which generally I lost, but... <laughs> Um, it meant that we, 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 we weren't conflicting with each other. So I had all the um, fixtures, all the domestic cricket stuff to manage and run alongside the accounts, alongside the admin, alongside the travel planning, alongside the governance, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So long story short, to not give you the long answer you were not hoping for, um, yeah, th there was a lot into that. And, and then there is a danger in sport and in a world where there isn't a lot of money around and there isn't a lot of staff um, you are relying on volunteers that if someone's doing something that people let them get on with it mm. and unless they cock it up royally. So a lot of people let you get on with it and let you carry on with it and there is a danger then you become, you know, your own problem. And that's something that wasn't in my mind when I made this decision to step down, but it's something I've now looked at and realised that there are 
you know, I, I didn't say I was coming to barrier, but I think there was too much. Oh, Mark will do it. Mark will do it. And I was in a couple of meetings when there was more voices in the table saying things than generally just myself. And I suddenly thought, hey, there's more people joining the party. Let them get on with it. Let mm. me step out of the room and let those voices have their say. Do you think that's something that's common to, I mean, I don't know how much you know about other local sports and, uh, you know, the way they run in Guernsey, but do you think it's common across kind of the administration of, of sports at sort of grassroots or, or, or be it for Guernsey cricket, you know, grassroots and international level? But Yeah, 100%. I think you look at, um, uh, you know, sport, the third sector, you know, most of those are operating in a similar environment where their reliance on volunteers is massive. It used to really annoy me when we'd go to visit Guernsey and states meetings and other things, talk about the sports tourism ideas that we've tried to get going with times and Dave Parsing has been involved with. And you constantly got thrown back. Oh, well, it happened anyway. Sport will happen anyway. Why should we invest in it? It will happen anyway. Well, it doesn't happen anyway. It happens because a hell of a lot of people put a hell of a lot of hard work into it um, to make it happen. Um, and that's not recognised. That's not seen. I mean, you know, we, we, had, we hid under the banner of culture and leisure for years. Sport has come out now into the ESNC. But is it really ever considered? I don't know if they've got massive issues on and bigger things and everything else. But it's still part and parcel of our life. Um, and it's not given the time recognition that it, it deserves. And yeah, it does happen anyway, but not just anyway. It happens because a hell of a lot of time and effort's put in. But within that, you've got to be careful that you don't end up spending your time in sport for your own benefit, not the benefit of the sport. And you can hang around for too long um, simply because other people will let you because they don't want to do the work. But it doesn't mean to say necessarily you're the best person to carry on doing it. And, you know, a changing room, a dressing room, requires different voices and there are points when sometimes that voice needs to change and I could hear other voices and I'm letting them now have their say. There's so much to talk about in terms of what's happened against cricket in your time and uh, yeah, it has been a, um, it's been a hell of a journey, hasn't it? Uh, you, you mentioned the tournaments, obviously, you know, and I think on the sports tourism front, regardless of anything else, bringing those kind of events to Guernsey does enrich our lives in the island, it, it, you know, cricket fans or sports fans. So, you know, hopefully those will kind of long continue. Um, for what I mean, what I don't know how much opportunity you got to really focus on what's going on in the middle when uh, we've been playing. But what, what you know, what have, what have been the highlights for you, kind of on on the pitch, watching on? Um, well, I say I think you know that first hosting of a tournament in two thousand and nine. Um, that one of the little things, you know, down at College Field and the Japanese side sweeping out their change rooms, leaving it cleaner than I've ever seen it after any uh, Guernsey sides have been there certainly. Um, yeah, which was quite amazing. And but bringing those those cultures and and those sort of thing. Obviously, two thousand and twelve Malaysia, Kimbo. Yeah, when we were chasing two thousand and eight, <laughs> uh, two hundred and eight runs. Two thousand eight. That would be a good chase. Yeah. Uh, two hundred and eight runs and managed to get herself seven down for sixty odd. Um, yeah. Nobody moved. It was about three hundred in the shade. People were roasting, but in the old time, on the don't walk, you'll walk a wicket. <laughs> Nobody would move. And gradually, Kimbo and Hoops pulled us forward with a thick end of a 100 partnership. And then Jamie came in, and then that final four was quite remarkable, you know, and quite quick in our journey um, in ICC cricket to, you know, to, to won that tournament. And, you know, it was, and that was, and the way it happened, you know, we won all the group games, and then we looked like we'd stuffed up the final and not come home with the uh, trophy, but we managed to get that over the line. Um, I think, what do we finish in South Africa with the World Cricket League, which is a shame. I think that 50-over cricket is a massive loss. Um, I've been in discussions with um, 
ICC hierarchy in the last few weeks about that whole process and how unedifying it has been watching people scrap around the T20Is to try and get ranking points to play in 50 overs with what would be a completely different team. So, you know, that's a shame. But I think our journey through that has been, you know, produced so many highlights. Um, I think the final in 2015 at Essex, coming from Essex, playing at the home of cricket, as I would call it, the council (laughs) state, as Skeg would call it, (laughs) and being with him in that changing room being given the keys to the home changing room because they trusted us and having to leave crossing out Max Ellis's name under the Centurions alongside Graham Gooch on the training room on the way. <laughs> uh, it's a highlight. One of the big things, which was probably something you could never ever envisage, um, was, you know, obviously with the COVID times, getting the first game of cricket played internationally in the world, ending up on breakfast t- yeah. um, show radio shows in uh, Melbourne and places like that and doing BBC with um, Alison Mitchell and stuff like that. That was quite mad. Um, but I think that again, that showed we had an infrastructure and a system that was able to deliver on a, on the highest level, and um, we got those games back going and the gateways with Arnold Man, etc. Um, we certain amounts amount of effort and work that goes on behind the scenes, and allowed Guernsey cricket to step out in front of the world um, and deliver. So that was that was a big thing. I think that I like that, and I think just generally watching some of the youngster players come through the you know the teams and, and make it through to the top. Um, there's a lot of the players that are in there now. I've seen them, you know, when they were wet behind the ears. I, I, I know Josh Butler when he used to smile. <laughs> that's how far back it goes. Yeah, you've got a very good memory. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great seeing people like him and Tom and Stokes and all the players. Mm. Um, yeah, just, I just want to relive a couple of the memories, actually, just, just, just to have a bit of a laugh as well, more than anything. But obviously, that yeah, the Malaysia um, tour and trip when we won every game, I think that was... It was one of my best memories as a sort of sports reporter, just a bit well, being sorry, being a Guernsey sports reporter when you got little Guernsey, sixty thousand population, going to somewhere like Malaysia and beating these sides. It was just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it was it was such a close knit little Sarnian community out there as well. It was just remarkable. Um, but I think you you really must tell the story of the following tournament in Singapore when we beat was it Bahrain. Very early in the morning. <laughs> Do you want to take up the story of um, a certain former colleague of mine? I was going to say, yes, an erstwhile colleague, Mr. Aaron Schoons. Is it Aaron? Aaron, I never knew. Aaron. Aaron Schoons, yeah. Yeah, Schoons. Um, yeah, so he was taken out as a blog and a media reporter. I think he gave himself a grander title than that, but that'll do. Um, and quite often um, he struggled in the morning to meet deadlines um, due to Wi-Fi issues. <laughs> in inverted commas. <laughs> yeah, which generally quite meant that he had too much kingfisher in the line, I believe. Um, so, yeah, so we took Bahrain on. They batted first. Jamie took five wickets and we skipped them out for 49. Mm. Brushed off the runs. And as we were sitting there um, enjoying a, a very quick victory, my phone went, all right, let's have schoons. Uh, how are we doing? We've won. Oh, right. I'm right around the corner. I'll be there in a second. His taxi duly turned up and he came across the Padang <laughs> as we were um, finishing the Man of the Match ceremonies um, to take his notes. And there again, that day, the blog went out, fully describing everything that he hadn't seen, <laughs> prefaced by Wi-Fi issues. <laughs> <laughs> was- Getting in at three o'clock that previous morning may have had something to do with it yeah. as well, of course. 
it was just the great it was the actual because it's such a big field as well as a playing field and you got dropped off at the far end and literally the the like you say the the ceremony was going on the presentation ceremony you just see this figure just approaching and everyone in guernsey in the guernsey squad knew who it was and just the the titters were starting the giggles were starting and yet, and he arrived, and I just remember him putting his arm around, I think it was Hoops at the time, said, right, mate, what's going on? <laughs> but I think the thing with that as well, to note, and he's had lots of performances like that, but I mean, <laughs> Jamie taking that Fifer, he had the Bahraini batsman literally moving down the bench that didn't want to face him because mm. he was at his quickest then. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking about the players before and the highlights, watching that bloke play for Guernsey was a highlight. Mm. Getting back on a slightly more serious note, but obviously, you know, how how sort of, bigger voice can Guernsey have in something as big as the ICC? I mean, we look. You, I think ICC, I'm thinking India, powerhouses, because they've got basically all the money, and then you've got England, Australia. I mean, how big a voice can someone, can a chief executive of the Guernsey Cricket Board have going to these seminars or conferences, what have you? Uh, bigger voices you want to have. If you don't say anything, you ain't heard. Mm. Simple. Um, I think you'll find that a lot of people, you know, when I've been to the conferences and... There's some faces there that um, I saw when I first went, my first conferences. Um, there's a lot of new faces, a lot of new boards coming through, especially in Europe, um, with really quite a myopic view on cricket, which is just simply their men's team and the money they can get to 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 put that through. Um, their you know their development programs haven't really established. Um, they've got access to players that we don't have through passport routes, the, the, the vast immigration across Europe. Um, and we're seeing different sides almost every time we turn up at a tournament against somebody. So to even stand still at the moment in, in cricket is is hard work, uh, let alone um, you know move forward from that. So I think um, in that, we because we came with a developed programme, we're not afraid to tell people what we think is right and what we think is wrong. Um, and good Guernsey trait I think and I think so you know at meetings we make sure that when you have that normal is there any questions and it's all silent you're front and centre of all of that um, you're always you're not when I ever speak to um, Will Glenwright who has a development programme I always made a point I'm not just saying here's a problem I tried to give him a solution um, it's always been a positive negative in terms of how we think things could improve and I think because we have to come over certain challenges given the size of the island and the number of people we've got but equally, you can spin that because we get a chance to see every cricketer. Mm. Whereas if you're in Germany or France, you probably don't get that same chance. And it take, costs you half your budget to get your team together. So every time you look at something, there's a positive that, you know, or a negative, there's a, there's a spin on it. So we try to um, have a, a proper conversation in a, in a rounded way with people. And it gets you noticed and it gets you heard. And I think, you know, likewise, we do, do more since COVID. Uh, most of the calls now are teams. They're not on um face-to-face basis and again you can get a lot of faces there who don't even bother to turn their camera on whereas again um not probably for their edification but i do turn <laughs> my camera on and i do have to look at my smiling chops but i hope we 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 say the right things at the right times and help the conversation which is what those um conferences are about that we have now um every sort of couple of months and hopefully um you know that has been picked up and that is why when um, the other week they wanted someone to talk about their development program to other European members, Lee Forshaw, one of our team, um, gave the Guernsey view on how to provide a development program. So, you know, I think it hasn't gone unnoticed. So we just made sure people know we're there and we try and say hopefully more sensible things than stupid things. 
And things are changing all the time on that front, aren't they? And we've got new uh, opportunities as well that have come along, the European Cricket Championship and Cricket League, um, which has been you know, awesome to see Guernsey involved in. Um, you know, how sustainable that will be long-term remains to be seen. But, um, you know, obviously you're stepping away, but in terms of looking ahead a bit, where, where do you think Guernsey should or will, or Guernsey Cricket should or will kind of put its focus in terms of, you know, energy and 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 enthusiasm, I guess? Um, well, I, th- I still think, you know, getting that right balance between what we, cricket we play in the island domestically and what opportunities exist internationally. The international options have reduced. Uh, we don't have that 50 over, but hopefully that will change. Um, we have the T20 eyes now, which obviously means the guys' stats sit there alongside all their heroes that they see from all the um, main four member teams. Um, and that's going to grow. Uh, there is this now um, T10, and I can hear Ralph and others from before. Um, I couldn't get white ball past him, let alone from the red ball. I never got 10 overs past him. Um, but, you know, that's a new world. It's good visibility. There's there's some skills you can take out of that into T20. So it's understanding why things are there and what you can use them for rather than just simply blindly bouncing around. Because uh, cricket's the weird sport. It's so many different formats. It's constantly trying to evolve, evolve, you know, evolve itself into this, that and anything else. And never really lets people an opportunity to properly settle into in those structures. Well, it doesn't know what it's doing at the very top end, does it really? Uh, so, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's an element of a boys club. I mean, you've got, you know, in, it's run for India's purpose. The World Cup is run for India's purpose. As long as India win it and play Pakistan a couple of times, everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. And that's great. You know, it's what it is. And I think one of the realities has been when you've gone into those conversations, there's no point trying to change something that's just not going to change. Get the best you can out of it um, within that environment. Um, is is the thing, and I think that's what Guernsey's got to seek to do. So, you know, this year we beat Germany two one. Germany's resources are massive by comparison to us. They get twice the funding. They've got population, immigration. They've got all these county players coming in, but we beat them two one. And I think one of the things we've got to make sure when we're looking at measuring how we go is not to say, oh yeah, but we lost to Jersey that the same year. Well, yeah, we did. But they're a bloody good team. So don't be scared about that. But don't then dismiss the victory against Germany as something which, as a Guernsey side, they should be rightly proud of. And the boys did remarkably there. And I think going forward, that little group where we had Denmark, Italy, um, ourselves, Jersey, um, who have all got now these county players, Gareth Burr, captain and coaching um, the Italians, Spain now, similarly. Um, you know, for us to even continue to just exist in that world and not drop into the second or third tiers within the European thing will be a massive, massive um, uh, success for us. And if we achieve it, brilliant. And that's why Friffy's come in, um, Mr. Cricket, and he's now shaking things up. He's making people feel uncomfortable. He's asking more, he's pushing more on that cricket side, um, both of the existing team and the guys that are coming through. Because we know in the last couple of years, we've probably been off the pace skills-wise um, and we need to pick that up. And that's what he's apt to do bringing um, some different, some new faces, some old faces back into it uh, to ensure that across the age groups we're playing more cricket, we're getting challenged more. Um, we can continue to build within domestic game off the back of that because all those players getting better helps domestically um, and keep that balance going, keep on challenging at all levels, produce a county player. Um, again, you know, going back all the way to Sav, obviously, um, and have our own Alex Scott. 
and that's you're you're still going to be around. I take it you're you're going to keep your hand in. There's a few events on the horizon um, and, uh, and and stuff to to kind of keep you connected to Guernsey cricket. Uh, yeah, I'd say I'd be, stepping out wasn't really planned. I didn't know the day before I made the decision that I was going to make it. So I'm kind of getting used to it now. It's kind of the fact that there's people stepping in. Um, Carl Brooks coming in, interim CEO. He's taken on um, all sorts of things with figure, good ideas. There's within the board, more people are, are coming through now and taking um, responsibilities in different areas. As I said, with Thrifty bringing in some new faces old, that's created some more voices around. So it's great to hear all that. And it's kind of like some enthusiasm. It's kind of rekindled some enthusiasm in myself um, in thinking, well, you know, it, it isn't all me now. There is all that other noise that's happening, which is going to make it happen. So initially, um, we've got an unpassed conference in February, European one, which again shows where we're leading, you know, in, in, in hosting that versus the 30 odd other options there would have been. Um, we've got GPL, um, which I hope to expand with charity angle to a three-week event in the summer and make it a big, big event akin to the Taverners sort of days that got me into all this in the first place. Um, and then we've got a tournament that we can't talk about um, in the summer, maybe, possibly, which I'll keep my hand in and look, look, help to deliver, which again is a massive thing for Guernsey in terms of um, investment into the island um, and eyes on the island around Europe and the world. So those will keep me relatively busy, um, but... Also, got to go and find a job because uh, <laughs> working in sport leaves you somewhat potless. So uh, I need to go and find a bit of money. No plans to turn your arm over ever again, or I think if I did, it would fall off. <laughs> <laughs> Physically, I am somewhat battered, um, if not mentally. So uh, no, um, I think uh, I was always designed for admin, not bowling fast. <laughs> Have you? Do you actually get the chance with all you've done? Um, I always think of you as a Griffins man, uh, and they've done sort of. It's in your time as an admin at the top level. Griffins as a club have gone on to be hugely successful and sort of breaking their own history, you know, rewriting their own history books and what have you. Are you able to sort of enjoy that as a club man, or do you, have you stepped back from that and more of a neutral sort of guy over that now? Uh, yeah, um, I probably, well, try, trying to remain um, independent. I probably not mentioned that I am a Griffins man often. In admin, and there are other reasons why you don't mention Griffin Man, perhaps I don't know. <laughs> but it was nice when we was out in Malaga, um, and I was doing an interview with Daniel Weston, who set up the ECN setup. Um, we were just talking about the Griffins and the fact that they'd been there the previous year, Twindies this year, and how well they'd been received. Um, and you know, the fact that I had started my first cricket over here in Marta Cartwright um, was for Griffins, which was obviously a, a link with the Midland that I was worked for at the time. So um, there was a really nice symmetry to think that, you know, from those um, white red ball Matt Cricket and Marna Cartra to Griffins in their um, pink and black and gearish stuff they've got um, playing in Malaga, you know. So it was, yeah, that's quite a journey for them to come on. And, you know, a lot of that's down, to, again, to people and Rob Thompson in the last few years. And Rob's another face that's coming into the Guernsey cricket scene as the team manager supporting Frithy. And I had a lot of meetings with him recently. And again, you got people like that. Um, it gives you a lot of confidence to say, go run with it. Let's see where we get to. Oh, well, um, thanks very much for coming in. Uh, it's been great to chat, great to reminisce. And um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you around. Yeah, we, we must say thank you for all the help you've given the, us in the Guernsey Press all those, for all those years, amazingly enough. You don't look a day older. I'm sure I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, all the best. Cheers, lads. Cheers, lads. Cheers.
Mark Latter speaking to Gareth and I there. Um, yeah, <laughs> an entertaining chat. And, um, a yeah. few memories we couldn't go delve <laughs> deeply into either. We'll, we'll say that. Yeah, we'll have to return to those. Maybe maybe a, a live show at some point. <laughs> but all the best to Mark for whatever comes next. And well, as we heard, he'll still be uh, in and around things and, um, and, and helping out. So, um, yeah, that's really good to see. Um, Gareth, it's been a long one, but quick word on what's going on this weekend. Because, um, yeah, big day of rugby on Saturday kind of jumps off the page. Yeah, um, they tried to have a triple header a couple of weeks ago, but the, the weather storm Kieran didn't quite allow it. But um, yeah, Foots Lane is going to be hosting all three of our sort of our, our main senior sides. St Jack's Vikings kick off uh, against Basingstoke, I believe, at half past twelve, and then um, Guernsey Raiders host Canterbury in both men's and women's games after that. So it's going to be an absolutely packed schedule. And um, yeah, I know that um, St. Jack's have got their long unbeaten run to to predict, so they'll be looking to go continue. I think it's now 18 months of um, of victories, even though um, they've been run very close recently. So I think that will uh, that should be a good contest. And Raiders will be looking to bounce back from a, a slightly disappointing defeat at Westcombe Park, where I know that they felt they weren't at their best, but they came mightily close to still getting the win. So um, they'll be looking to right the wrongs of that uh, last weekend. Yeah, we'll be down at that one. Um, so look out for plenty of coverage of that and everything else that matters in Guernsey sport in the Guernsey press over the next few days. Um, yeah, do make sure you pick up a paper six days a week um, to stay across that all. Um, do follow us on social media if you're not already at GSY Press Sport, um, the place to go. Um, otherwise, we'll leave it there. Thanks to great fitness and thanks to you guys cheers tony